out of Acts chapter 26. We begin in verse 12, read through verse 18. First-hand account that Paul is giving the author Luke of such an impactful situation and occurrence in the life of history. Listen to the story out of Acts chapter 26. We begin in verse 12. With this in mind, I, Paul, was traveling to Damascus with the authority and commission of the chief priest. When at midday along the road, your excellency, I saw a light from heaven brighter than the sun shining around me and my companions. When we had all fallen to the ground, I heard a voice saying to me in the Hebrew language, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It hurts you to kick against the goads. I asked, Who are you, Lord? The Lord answered, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up, stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you to serve and testify to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles to whom I am sending you to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Let's pray. Lord, open our hearts and minds by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as scripture is read, as word is proclaimed, help us hear with joy what you say to us this day in your name. Amen. We've been on the journey of the call with Paul, and we've been talking about uh, different aspects of Paul's calling, Paul's life. We're using the, the Call, which is a study written by the Reverend Adam Hamilton, and it's, the series is based off of that. Uh, and we've been looking at uh, and talking about Paul, looking at his formation into an apostle. But the interaction today is, is, is that we read about is perhaps one of the, the most defining moments, not just in the history of our faith, but in the entirety of human history as we know it. Paul is on his way to Damascus to carry out arrest warrants. And those are uh, on followers of the way. Remember last week we mentioned that they didn't have a name for these people who followed Jesus yet. So they called them followers of the way. And so he's on his way to carry out these warrants. And, and some have suggested that all of a sudden big lightning bolt struck down from heaven and stopped him and his friends in his tracks. Friends, we don't know what it was. We just know something got Paul's attention. So much so that he stopped, that it was terrifying and Paul was blinded by it. In the midst of the light, Paul heard Jesus. And he says something interesting to Paul. Did you catch what he said? He said, Saul, Saul, 
it hurts you to kick against the goads. What on earth is a goad? Well, a goad is a stick with a pointed end. And it, it's used mainly to prod oxen and cattle is what it would have been used for in the day. And it, it's used to move them in the direction that the owner wants them to go. Make more sense now? Jesus was saying, in effect, that he had been prodding or goading, or my favorite term is wooing, Paul in the right direction for some time now. That Paul had not paid attention and, and his failure to pay attention was hurting him and now causing him to hurt others as well. It hurts you to kick against the goads. What an interesting idea, right? God is prodding us, goading even, on a regular basis, seeking to lead us, seeking to guide us, seeking to move us to live and do according to God's will and to live as God's people. There's a couple interesting aspects, though, about God's goading. And it's this. God's goad is gentle, yet persistent. Unlike the old farmer that perhaps goads his oxen so hard they can't help but obey, God goads us in a way that allows us to resist the goading. Think about it. Author and pastor Dave Wilkinson wrote about the goading work of God. He, he said he and his wife were on an airplane. They sat next to this young man on the plane. And so what's the first thing you typically ask somebody brand new, especially if you sit by him on an airplane, you're going to be there for a while. Well, what do you do for a living, right? So he, so the young, he told the young man, well, I'm a pastor and a minister at a local church. And he said the man about jumped out of his seat and said, everywhere I go, no matter where it is, I always sit by a Christian. It's like God is after me. And Pastor Wilkinson looks up and says, yeah, that's usually about how it works. <laughs> he said, you might as well just surrender to God's call. He's not going to stop. Can I get a witness? <laughs> Have you ever felt God's goading in your life? Have you ever felt God's prodding, God's gentle nudges, God's wooing even? Or perhaps... Perhaps you are being called by God to be the one who does the goading, the one who does the wooing. A reminder to someone else 
that God is after them. And you know something about our God? God does not quit or give up on anybody. Amen? Paul sat there for three days at least, unable to see his physical blindness in a way of, uh, uh, a way of helping him see his previous spiritual blindness. He was unwilling to eat or, or to drink. God was working on Saul at the time in the silence as he came face to face with a very disturbing fact to him and perhaps to many of us at times. His desire to serve God had been distorted by his own blind ambitions, which had led him to persecute God's people instead of the work of leading God's people. Meanwhile, while this is going on, and, and God works, amen, God, God, is, God is so good, God is already planning and prodding, even when we're being planned and prodded on. God was prod, uh, prodding someone else, a, a man named Ananias, who was a, a follower of Christ and is someone who Paul was likely on his way to arrest. Okay, put some perspective to it. He is a man that Paul is on his way to persecute and to arrest in all likelihood. And, and Christ spoke to Ananias in a vision. We aren't told the, the precise nature of this prod or this woo. Perhaps it was a dream. Perhaps it was an idea that came to Ananias. Whatever it may have been. We do know that God works through the form of a still, small voice. Amen? The Lord said to him, Get up, go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. Can you imagine Ananias' thinking when he hears God tell him this? God, you want me to do what? You want me to go see who? I thought you were trying to help me hide from said man of Tarsus. And you want me to go to him? That's like saying, I want you to go to Denver and go to school. <laughs> yeah, think about it. <laughs> That's my story, right? <laughs> and I say, God, you want me to go where? <laughs> How many of us, that's our first reaction when God speaks? And then you, we wonder why God's got to start prodding and goading us. Ananias answers. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints. He even tries to tell God about what it is God's trying to get him to do. How many of us try to reason with God? <laughs> Christ told Ananias, find the house where Paul was staying. And then I want you to do something crazy. I want you to pray for Paul. I want you to pray for Paul so that he might see again. 
understandably, Ananias was afraid. He objected, but the voice of Christ persisted as it always does. So Ananias caved and he went. Imagine the courage it must have taken for Ananias to go and confront Paul the Inquisitor. <clears throat> Excuse me. At the time, Saul the Inquisitor. Ananias went, he entered the house, no doubtedly very nervously and very reluctantly. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. What a prayer to bring to somebody. Try it sometime. You'll be surprised. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes. His sight was restored and then he got up and requested the first thing that he did. He requested to be baptized as a convert to Jesus Christ. And that moment when his eyes were opened, his sight was brought to him in a new, unimaginable way that only Jesus can bring sight. Something I want you to notice today is that Paul's conversion was both a result of his experience of Christ and of his experience of Ananias sharing with him. Did you catch that? It's a double point here this is how it often works right most of us don't have a damascus road blinding light conversion but we do experience christ in some way we feel christ speaking to us we sense his love we feel moved even perhaps to say yes but we also have our Ananiases in our lives. We need our Ananiases in our lives who come alongside us and offer us Christ. You know, we never again hear of Ananias in Scripture. But in this moment, he courageously stepped up, went to Paul, and shared Christ with him. And as a result, the world was changed forever. Would we have had Paul if we didn't have Ananias? I'm not saying it's not possible. I'm just saying that sometimes God works. And God uses people who don't think they have anything to offer to transform this world in ways that we could never imagine possible. So here's the question. As for Paul, he learned that conversion happens to us when we stop pursuing blind ambitions and when we recognize God's prodding in our lives. And when we finally surrender to God's will. So here's the question today. Who has been your Ananias? 
if that person is still around, have you taken a moment to thank him or her for sharing and leading you to Christ? If that person's not around anymore, let me ask you this question too. How have you then become the Ananias to someone else and been the bearer of Christ to someone who needs it today? Somebody needs what you can bring them. And to be an Ananias for somebody could change a world beyond anything we can fathom. We are called to share Christ. Therefore, let us be Ananias to the world. Glory be to the Father, to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. I told you I would take you on a journey of our footsteps of Paul with us throughout this series. The picture you see here today Uh, This is a picture overlooking the ancient ruins of Corinth. Uh, Let's see if you can see a little bit better here, perhaps, with this one. In the background, you see that hill. Sitting at the top of the hill is ruins of a building. It was often a practice of, uh, uh, I think it was uh, uh, Constantine era that brought this. Uh, It may have been prior to that, don't, don't quote me, um, they would often build high fortresses on the top of these hills as a way to, uh, to defend against incoming attacks, and they called them uh, Acropolis, or Acropoli, which means the center of, of town, or the center of the settlement, and so if that fell, then you knew the town fell. Um, they called this Acrocorinth. Um, because this, at the top of that hill is, was the Acropolis of Corinth. And so you see a lot of the ruins perhaps underneath and throughout the, uh, um, uh, under the photograph and of the different areas of Corinth. So uh, this was a picture I took, wanted to share with you of Acrocorinth and of the ruins of Corinth. So thank you for coming on this journey of Paul with me. As we prepare to go forward in love and in worship, as we prepare to go and to bring Christ to all people, we pause for a moment, perhaps to feel God goading us. That way we know where and which way to go. Maybe we just need a moment to say, God, everything is standing still like it needs to where I can feel and hear you. Use this moment for that if you need to. Maybe you have your own way during the week where you have a, a, a silence or a moment where you can hear God. But whatever you need in this moment, I want you to use it. I invite you to use it. If you need the altars, the prayer, they're open. If, if you're saying, I, or you're watching this and you say, I've never invited God, invited Jesus to live in me so that I may be goaded. It does start with a relationship with Jesus. And that starts with a simple prayer. It says, Lord, come into my heart. Live in me, through me, and despite me. Goad me in the way that you want me to go, God. And that prayer 
changes a personal life forever. Whatever you need today, I invite you and encourage you to use it. We're going to sing page 365 in the United Methodist Hymnal, verses 1, 2, and 5. Grace greater than our sin. Let's stand together as we prepare to go forward in love and service today. Thank you.